Hey guys, before we get started, I want to tell you that the LA Chargers rely on Bose QC35 headphones 2 to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. The same powerful noise-canceling technology helps you concentrate on your music, your work, maybe this podcast, or whatever you're passionate about. Learn more at Bose.com slash Chargers. Bose, the official headphones of the LA Chargers. Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a week 14 edition of Chargers Weekly. Coming up, we'll get this week's opposing view from Paul Daner Jr. of Cincinnati.com. James Coe of DirecTV's Fantasy Zone also stops by with advice for the fantasy playoffs. But first, Chargers radio analyst Daniel Jeremiah recaps Sunday night's win in Pittsburgh with a look ahead to the Bengals. All right, Daniel Jeremiah joins me on Chargers Weekly. And DJ, let's just start with Sunday night in Pittsburgh. Describe what it was like for you and Money in the booth, man. <laughs> Simply put, it was just a tale of two halves. Yeah, it was it was wild. And I'll be honest with you, um, there was a moment there where I, I I'll, be, I'll say I lost a little faith. I thought that one was kind of going to get away from the Chargers a little bit, um, just the way the Steelers jumped on them, and it just seemed like uh, nothing was going the Chargers' way. And I've, I've seen this Steelers team. Uh, for a long time and having worked in that division for a couple different teams, it just seems like once that snowball starts rolling downhill, uh, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And the stats were out there that showed, uh, you know, the fact that, that uh, when they get a, a lead like that, they just don't ever lose. So it was definitely uh, – like never definitely Actually, a, a DJ, never lost. There. Never lost. 220-0-2. Unbelievable. So this was uh, – yeah, it was definitely kind of a dire straits there. Uh, but then, man, the uh, it just flipped so fast when they came out in the third quarter, and and the Chargers needed everything to go their way. They needed to make their own breaks, and that's exactly what they did. Well, you tweeted this after the game. The stars showed up, and, and listen, contributions came from up and down the roster. I want to talk about Desmond King and, and Justin Jackson in a second, but Philip. Only quarterback in the league to throw multiple touchdowns every game this season. Keenan Allen, 14 catches, had another touchdown. Joey Bosa, a big sack in the fourth quarter. And what can you say about the play of Derwin James? We haven't done our Derwin minute in a second, DJ. Let's just let's just do it now. <laughs> yeah, he's just phenomenal. I mean, the uh, the crazy thing is the, the plays that will show up in the box score, the interception, uh, where he bluffed like he was blitzing and then peeled off and, and made an athletic interception, you'll see. That show up in the box score, you'll see, you know, some impressive open field, uh, the play, his play of the game, and, and really kind of a, a, a signature moment for him, in my opinion, was just the range that he showed to go over there and close on Antonio Brown and drill him and keep him from getting that second foot down on the sideline. That was, uh, for a guy that big, uh, that was something you don't see very often. What a unique talent. And that was such a huge play in the game. I don't think people realize that, you know, he comes down with that. The momentum is just flowing for Pittsburgh at that point. It, it could have been over at that point. Derwin made a, a play that, listen, Antonio Brown was on a knee, and he had to have been hurt from that hit because that was a that was a big, big hit. Big hit, and it was clean, and that's something that's a challenge for a lot of players in the league right now is to make a big play like that but do it within the framework of the, of the new rules, and, and that's exactly what that was. So he just shows you something each and every week, and, and really, you know, I think if you – if you're around the team, like we're fortunate enough to be around them, just the energy that he brings each and every day, um, you know, be it training camp out there at practice or on the game field, he just he brings a lot of juice is the word I would use to that defense. And 
Uh, it wasn't just him. I mean, you, you mentioned what Joey Bosa did get in that timely sack. I thought, got to give both coordinators a lot of credit in this mm. one, too. You know, for this game getting away from him early, the adjustments that were made uh, at halftime by both Ken Wisenhunt offensively, um, able to stay with the run uh, with Justin Jackson late popping a couple. I thought that was outstanding patience on his part. And then Gus Bradley, after giving up some big plays and a couple long penalties, I thought that defense uh, really, really set and, and did a nice job. So I think we can't forget about them. No doubt. Ken Wisenhunt was great. The, the adjustments they made in the running game. And Justin Jackson had all his production, DJ, in that second half. 82 total yards and a touchdown. This is a guy who averaged 285 carries a year at Northwestern in four years in Evanston. He's got fresh legs, and boy, what a spark he was in the second half. No, he was awesome. You know, it was uh, it was impressive to me. The vision is what jumped out when you're watching it. But there's a couple times I'm like, there's nothing there. And he just kind of created on his own. Uh, just tremendous stop-start quickness um, and being able to, to find stuff that uh, was very difficult to find. There wasn't a lot of space. He created his own. Um, he was just simply outstanding. And really, he kind of left the stadium saying, this is a great win. Um, I'm excited to see more of this kid. You know, I think he's earned the opportunity to get some more reps and some more touches. And uh, so far, man, this is two games in a row. have popped a couple uh, the previous week against Arizona. So uh, I think there's still more we have to see from him. DJ, when you scouted Justin, what did you see in him as a runner that you thought would translate to the NFL right away? Because, I mean, obviously there's things that, that he does that he did in Evanston that translate to the NFL. Yeah, really just kind of the, the natural instincts more than anything else. Now, he didn't have the prototype size, you know, under 200 pounds. Uh, but what you had is you had tremendous vision and instincts and then somebody that, you know, we use the scouting word. I don't know how, uh, <laughs> how, uh, how well this shows our language or how impressive it is from an English standpoint, but wiggle. Uh, he's got tremendous wiggle. He's just got a way to get himself out of trouble um, and just kind of slip and slide, dart and dive. Um, he's just a, he's a nifty runner. And uh, you saw that throughout his career at Northwestern. And for not being a big guy, he runs hard. Um, and it doesn't really take a lot of direct shots because he's, he's, he's so loose and nimble. So, um, he was outstanding. I think, you know, the league is going to have to adjust because forever in scouting, you know, 200 pounds is kind of that marker. Um, you wanted guys to be 210, 215, but 200, you know, if you're under 200 pounds, it's kind of a, okay, it's, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're going to be somebody that can only handle a handful of carries. But when you look at just the, the AFC West and see what Philip Lindsay's done as a sub 200 pounder, and now we're starting to see, you know, with Justin Jackson doing his thing, that, uh, that you got to elevate those guys. Now you can't punish them any longer. Yeah, Jackson, a seventh-round pick. And speaking of late-round picks, man, Desmond King, your AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, a fifth-round pick. He's already been AFC Defensive Player of the Week. I say you give him some snaps on offense, see if he can get the clean sweep, DJ. <laughs> there you go. They're a triple crown. <laughs> exactly. Uh, man, I'll tell you what. He's, uh, you know, there's we used to always say when I worked with the Ravens, you know, I had a chance to be, you know, around guys like Ed Reed and, and uh, when they got their hands on the football, that's when the fun started. Uh, and, and there's guys that, you know, there's guys, there's different levels, right? There's guys that can ball. There's guys that can play the football. There's guys that can catch the football. And then there's those other guys that once they do, that's when the fun starts and be it in the return game or on defense. Once Desmond King uh, gets the ball in his hands, then you just kind of sit up in your suit a little bit and say, okay, what's going to happen now? Um, he just got tremendous, tremendous vision. The same things I said about Justin Jackson as a runner, you see with Desmond King, once he gets the ball in his hands, either on a return or 
or after an interception. He's just got just an innate feel uh, with the football in his hands. And again, another, I always look at it from a scouting standpoint, another lesson, don't get caught up on the stopwatch. He is just a darn good football player and uh, really, really fell much further than he should have in that draft. And this isn't the first game, DJ, that he's done something like this. We talk about the pick six in Seattle, the two interceptions in Cleveland, the 32-yard punt return in Cleveland, the 40-yard kickoff return to kind of get things going against the Cardinals. I think they had their first touchdown off of that kick return. So whenever you need a play, I mean, it's just it's kind of mind-blowing that a fifth-round pick, second-year guy, has made such an impact with these plays that can really turn a game. Yeah, the crazy thing is, I, I still believe, you know, he's one of the better nickels in the league, but I still believe if you played him as a high, he could be a Pro Bowl safety. Um, he's just, he's got that type of versatility. So he's going to he's gonna provide the Chargers not only with big plays throughout his career, he's going to provide him with tremendous flexibility because of all the different hats he can wear. Um, he's, he's really, we call him just like he's a roster. He's a roster saver. He's going to save you a, a roster spot because of all the different things he can do. You don't have to just carry a primary you know, punt returners is, is some teams would have to do. Um, he can cross train. You know, if you worry about keeping, you know, if you got an extra offensive lineman you want to keep, well, maybe you don't have to keep as many safeties because he could cross train and play safety if you needed him to. He's just, it's just a tremendous asset. DJ, let's discuss this week's opponent, Cincinnati Bengals. They've lost four straight, six yeah. or seven. They've been struggling. Andy Dalton done for the season. AJ Green done for the season. The defense has struggled. They fired their defensive coordinator early in the year. All that said, nothing is ever given in this league. It's going to be it's going to be important for the Chargers to just lock in here, coming off a big win. Yeah, to me again, I, I feel like when you're playing a team you're better than, it's just key to just put them away early. And you know, look at the you know, Chargers breathe some life into that Denver Broncos team, which just beat the Bengals. So Broncos, um, you know, Chargers had a chance to put them away. They didn't do it. They come back, win that game, then they give them some momentum. They beat Pittsburgh the next week. Now they beat Cincinnati, and now you're looking at a game at the end of the year where you're thinking, man, they're going to be uh, they're going to be packed and have their bags packed and want to get that one over as soon as possible. Uh, now they've got some life there with that Broncos organization. So same thing with the Bengals in this one. Jump on them early. Try and put them away. And if you can jump on them early, I think the Chargers can really exploit this offensive line. You know, you look at that that game. Uh, Times and I think this Chargers front will have some matchup advantages and it could be a big day. So uh, to me, get that early lead, jump on them, and then uh, cut those pass rushers loose. Yeah, if, if you have a critique for this Chargers team, the last four wins, the opponent has scored first. So you're always kind of playing catch up at the beginning of the game. So you're right, it's going to be imperative to kind of get off to a good start. If you could do that, it, the running game is going to have a big say in it. Since he's given up over 200 yards rushing in four games this season, and then, and then there was a fifth. They allowed 198. This could be a big spot for, for Jackson, who you mentioned, and also Austin Eckler. Yeah, it, it really should be. You know, but I, I'd say that, that they can have a nice game on the ground. I, I also think Phillip Rivers should be able to do some damage to the air. So um, it's set up with, uh, with some of the injuries they've had offensively and just some of the personnel holes they have defensively. It's set up for the Chargers to be able to kind of control this thing however they want. But um, I, I actually would think you, know, you come out probably throwing the ball a little bit and then uh, try and jump on them, and then you turn the, the ball over to your running game and you should be able to, to close it out that way. So uh, it's, a, it's a matchup on paper that is very friendly to the Chargers, uh, but that was an emotionally draining win last week. They can't afford to, uh, to kind of sleepwalk through the beginning of this football game, which we've seen, as you mentioned, a couple times. Uh, they, they've got to correct that. 
Quickly, on Divas for the Chargers, Jeff Driscoll under center for the Bengals. With Green out, I guess Tyler Boyd becomes the number one receiver in this offense. But I think, I guess priority A, Joe Mixon. He rushed for 82 yards on 12 attempts last week, almost seven yards a pop. He's got to be the guy you slow. I think he's the key, right? Yeah, and again, if you can be good on first down, uh, get them off schedule, and then set yourself up to rush the passer. I think I'm looking at now, I guess Driscoll was sacked four times. I know he'd been sacked a bunch last week. So uh, they'll have some opportunities there, but it's got to start with your first down defense. Um, and again, this Chargers team may be a little bit undersized at the second level, uh, relying on their quickness, uh, beat blocks, uh, beat, beat, uh, beat linemen to spots, and play downhill. That's going to be uh, it's going to be key for that second line of defense. You slow down Joe Mixon and get them in second long, third long. Uh, it's going to have a it's going to have a it's going to be a nice day for the Chargers if you can do that because they're just matchup advantages up and down the line of scrimmage. Yeah, if the Chargers win, DJ, their first double digit win season since 2009. I ask you always for for your key to victory. I think we just talked about it. Really, just start fast. Yeah, that that to me is that you know I would say two things. Start fast and make the Bengals drive the full field. You know that's one of the things we saw against the Steelers. You can't do that against anybody. Um, is give them, you know, put the ball at the fifty yard line every time they start the possession. Which I think the Steelers' first three scoring drives, uh, they were at least at their forty. You know, they, you just can't do that. Make a team like the Bengals with a backup quarterback have to drive, you know, eighty ninety yards. They're gonna have a tough time doing that. We only put up ten points last week. Uh, what you can't do is, is give up long returns, turn the ball over, give them short fields and cheap points. Uh, make them earn those points, and, uh, and they'll be fine. Finally, DJ, I saw you had a bye week on the aftermath. I love the aftermath, but it looks like you were you were off this week. Uh, what's what's moved the yep. sticks looking like on Thursday? I, I listened to Mike Mayock on Tuesday, and uh, and obviously the ten takeaways pod. Well, I appreciate you, buddy. Um, we uh, we had a fun podcast with Mayock. Uh, so that one's up, and then Thursday we will have, I believe we have our buddy Brady Quinn coming on. So nice. uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, talk about what we are expecting to see from these college playoff games and some of the uh, some of the big-time draft prospects we'll be keeping our eye on uh, with Brady. So we're, we're kind of an international podcast right now. Bucky's over uh, Bucky's over in London right now. Doing I heard that. That's sports. great. So I don't know if he's eating breakfast, lunch, or dinner uh, while he's doing the pod because the time change. I even haven't been over there this year with the Chargers. I still haven't figured that one out. Uh, but man, it's uh, it's great to have him over there and uh, kind of grow. We're growing the Move Six brand uh, internationally. Well, you know what? You know what was great. I, I heard you say that you're recruiting over there because the the ATN guys seem to have oh, a, yeah, a popular a, group. Yeah, they're a popular group over there. I talked to Sessler, and uh, he, he mentioned he goes. I, I think the last time I was on, DJ kind of bum rushed me at the combine. He was upset about it. So anyway, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's a, it is a. It's a it's a friendly rivalry, I would say, between me and the around the NFL guys. I mean, maybe not friendly. Uh, yeah, just rivalry. We'll just go rivalry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. DJ, you're the best, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. All right, to get this week's opposing view, very pleased to be joined by Paul Daner Jr. of the Cincinnati Inquirer, Cincinnati.com. Paul, thanks so much for joining me, sir. How are you? Doing good. How are you? Doing well, man. You were just telling me offline that you got some sleet and snow uh, situation there in Cincinnati. You excited to get to LA? Yeah, there is no doubt about that. I, it will be uh, it will be a welcome change of pace for those of us who have been uh, trudging through the elements here for a while. But what are the Bengals saying about coming to Los Angeles to face the Chargers? 
Yeah, I mean, they'll. Uh, I don't think anybody is excited about playing the Chargers right now. Uh, the way they're playing football, you know, it's, it'll definitely change your pace. They've got some guys from 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 down in that area, but I mean, man, the way the Chargers are playing, uh, n- nobody wants to see them uh, on on the schedule, even if it's in in perfect weather. I tell you, Paul, the, the Bengals, they've been hit hard with injuries. Andy Dalton's out for the year. A.J. Green's out for the year. What can you tell us about the new quarterback, Jeff Driscoll, and the way he performed Sunday against the Broncos? Jeff, you know, he, he was okay. He was in, in a tough spot. I mean, they had a ton of penalties that put them consistently behind the sticks all day. And so it, it, he was in a bad spot, as you know. I mean, you guys play in the same division as the Broncos. Uh, you get in second and third and long uh, against Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and company, and you can you can just call it a night. Uh, and he was in that spot far too often, and really this that playing behind the sticks just just put him in a bad way. So he was okay. I mean, he looked like the backup quarterback that he is. He's a very good athlete, and he's he's they a lot of players on the team think he might even be the best actual pure athlete on this team. The draft pick of the the Red Sox played, you know, played center field. He, he's got, he's got all kinds of speed. Um, he, he could run it if you give him a chance to. Um, so they love to find ways to get him going that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, if they can just stay where, where he doesn't have to sit back there and, and deal with a pass rush like that, uh, would, would be different. But that's the funny thing. I mean, you know, the Chargers both two very similar type of edge rushers uh, that can get back there. So it's it's kind of a lot of the same problems could be, he could be facing this week. Well, you mentioned the penalties. I think Cincinnati had 12 penalties against the, the Broncos. How does the offense, though, how does it change, Paul, with, with no Green and no Dalton? I would imagine a healthy dose of Joe Mixon, but I saw you write this and I saw the stat sheet. He only had 12 carries against the Broncos. Yeah, because they were constantly in second and third and long. I mean, there was it was it was incredible the the how behind the chains they were. And and it's the last four weeks, Joe Mixon's averaging over five yards a carry. Um, and but he has you know it's been twelve carries a game, eleven, fourteen, twelve, because they've been getting blown out early. Uh, you know they, they were way behind in, in games against the Saints and, and the Browns, uh, or they've dealt with penalties and been behind the chains the one game where it was close all game they could give it to him that was the one game he couldn't get it going only averaged uh, uh about a yard and a half or so uh against the ravens they just they they couldn't seem to get the running game going there uh, but outside of that he's, he's really been good but it just seems like situationally uh it's been trouble for him to get going because you know they that was their plan to start the season and really he's the only him and tyler board are the only real weapons they got left and so uh, you know, three of the first six games of the year, they gave it to him 20 plus times. They would love to do that again, but they got to keep games close and they just have not been able to do that. Well, you mentioned it goes hand in hand. You know, when you have outside weapons like AJ Green, obviously it's going to open up holes for the running game. Uh, how does it change without AJ Green? I imagine Tyler Boyd kind of slips into that number one receiving role and he had a pretty, pretty good game against the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, losing A.J. Green is, is the devastating hit that this already injured team couldn't take. And it's the difference between them being able to hang around in some of these games down the stretch and, and it just being a lost cause. It, it, he changed it because of what he can do. He just changes everything in the way teams approach the Bengals defensively. He changes things for Joe Mixon. He definitely changes things for Tyler Boyd. 
without without AJ Green out there, people can just feast their attention on Boyd and and, and double team him up and make sure that guy won't kill him. And, and then you're pretty much set with AJ green out there. You can't do that. And you get Boyd in one-on-ones all day. And he's just been smoking people this year. He's really had a great year. Um, it, or you can, you know, you had the safeties have to be more aware and they've got to, they've got to sit back. You can't just come up and crowd the box uh, when there's no AJ green, but Baltimore uh, with no AJ green to contend with went up crowd of the box. And they already have a big defensive line anyway. And the Bengals couldn't get anything going in the running game. And, and, and that's what happens without AJ green. It's just, they don't have enough other weapons to keep up without him. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a devastating loss. I mean, uh, you know, Dalton, to lose Dalton or Green would be devastating. To lose them both is just completely paralyzing. And, you know, you already hit with injuries on the defensive side of the ball. And listen, I know it happens to every team in the NFL, but it seems like the, the Bengals have been hit particularly hard on both sides of the ball. On defense, what's been the biggest struggle for this unit taking injuries out of the equation? They cannot stop the run for the life of them. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So five times this year they have given up at least 198 yards on the ground. And this In the passing league, by the way, <laughs> you know, it's they just – can't stop the run. They get bullied back. Their linebackers have been terrible. Um, you know, they had an injury to one of their starting linebackers, Nick Vigil, early in the year, and, and that was really hurt. That really hurt them. He was one of the few guys that could kind of make plays in the run game and tackle. Vontez Burpick is a shell of himself, um, who's who's really completely ineffective this year. They, they, and then the rest of the linebackers have regressed, and, and so. They're not making plays. They're getting pushed around up front, and that makes for what they are—the worst rush defense in football—and and definitely the worst. Probably, I would say by the numbers, the worst rush defense uh, pretty much in the history of this franchise. It's just—it's mm. been awful. You look at this Chargers offense, Paul. What do you think is the biggest challenge for the Bengals defense? They've been pretty balanced. When you talk about the run game in the past game, uh, obviously Melvin Gordon, we'll see on Sunday, but Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, uh, specifically in that second half, Justin Jackson against the Steelers put up some some pretty good numbers on the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you, they're going to have they're going to have trouble. It just seems like a terrible matchup for the Bengals from that situation because you know obviously the Chargers have been so good. Uh, at utilizing their backs all year, and the, the Bengals have just not really stopped any back. It, that includes catching the ball to the back because their linebackers, which I mentioned, really struggle to cover. And so teams are just – they have given up more third-down conversions when targeted uh, at the linebackers, that is, than anybody in football, and it's not close. Um, they, they just – it seems like when teams get in tough spots, in third down, they drop back. They look to get whoever, whatever linebackers in coverage, and take advantage of it. And as you know, I mean, the way the Chargers utilize uh, both receivers and running backs running into coverage against linebackers, uh, you know, that seems like a matchup to say for them too. Paul, if you could give me a few names that maybe. Chargers fans don't know on on the Bengals side of the football. Obviously, no Dalton, no Green, but some guys who have stepped up maybe defensively, some some bright spots on, on defense or offense. You know, I, a guy like William Jackson comes to mind. But but any anybody that that you think we should have our eyes on on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jesse Bates the uh, third has been a really nice surprise at rookie as a as a rookie safety, um, he, he, a second round pick. 
Uh, he's had some interceptions. He's made some nice plays. He's a good player. He seems to have a yeah. He seems to have a real nose for the football. So in a game like this, where turnovers could be the one thing that could keep the Chargers from from really blowing it out. Um, you know, a guy like Jesse Bates would be one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, you know, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, you know, I mentioned Tyler Boyd earlier. Tyler Boyd has just really been a special player and, and shown kind of a willingness to throw the team on his back without anybody else out there helping him essentially and gotten a lot better at dealing with all the attention that he gets. You know, and the, or when, he, when, when A.J. Green first went out, uh, I think he was a little – eyes wide open at all the defenders he had to power through but as now as he's kind of gotten used to that thing uh he's had a little bit more success with it and and it's a matter of Jeff Driscoll finding them but yeah you know those are those are certainly some players uh that that you want to keep an eye on finally Paul you know I think we talked about this at the top but what do you think could decide this obviously you want to keep out of third and long situations if you're the Bengals and probably get that running game going as much as you possibly can with Joe Mixon yeah I mean that that would be the key I mean I think you've got to you've got to get into a situation where you can find something you can do consistently well and set everything else up and that would be run the ball I mean you, you got to get you got to be in in a situation both in score and down a distance that you can keep Joe Mixon involved and get him 20 to 25 carries and hope that he can go off. Um, and that's your chance if you're the Bengals to keep this thing where you want it. And, and then obviously on defense, they've got to get some sort of stop in the run. But yeah, I think, you know, they, they're at the point now where they just have so few weapons left that you've just got to focus on the, what you have and what you have right now is essentially a, a running game and Joe Mixon that's working well. Uh, so they need to find a way to ride that. Paul Dana Jr., Cincinnati.com. Paul, awesome stuff, man. Where can Chargers fans check out your coverage this week uh, if they want to learn more about the Bengals? Uh, Cincinnati.com. We've got uh, all the coverage up there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Dana Jr. Paul, you're the man. Thanks so much. Looking forward to seeing you, bro. No problem. Have a good one. All right, guys, before we get to James Coe, a quick break to let you know that this season we've taken Chargers Weekly to the next level. That's because I'm using Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2 on air now. The powerful noise-canceling technology helps me black out distractions and brings you the latest news on the LA Chargers. And when I'm not recording, these are my go-to wireless headphones. They help me black out noise, I use them on the team plane so I can concentrate on my game prep, and of course, bring you that next episode of Chargers Weekly. Visit Bose.com Chargers to learn more about the most powerful Bose headphones yet. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. Okay, the fantasy playoffs are here, and if you play in multiple leagues, chances are you have at least one big-time playoff matchup this weekend, and help to secure that win for you is James Coe of DirecTV's Fantasy Zone. James, what's up, brother? Uh, nothing much, man. It's good to be back on the program. Uh, you know, I, I, we were just talking about how fast the season moves once everything gets going. Dude, I, t- I talked to you in September, and it's week 14. It's December 6th as we taped this. <laughs> it's so crazy, man. It's so nuts. But yeah, no, it's great to be back with you and uh, and looking forward to to talking a little uh, little Chargers. Yeah, man, we're looking forward to it. There's you know there's a lot to process in, in week fourteen. But before we get into specifics, just any general rules for the fantasy playoffs? Because I guarantee you, there's a lot of owners out there right now that are probably a little nervous, probably overthinking things a little bit as we get to the weekend. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, this is when people really start to kind of overanalyze the matchups, and all of a sudden, you know, people's season-long value really doesn't matter, and people just start to really play matchups more than uh, more than they normally would. So, you know, for example, like Jared Goff has been lights out, and I know he struggled last week uh, from a fantasy perspective, but you know, he goes to Chicago. It could be a high-scoring game. Um, there are certainly some some red flags. Uh, mostly that, you know, golf doesn't play that well in cold weather games. I don't know what the exact temperatures will be, but it's going to be a Sunday night in Chicago. You know, it's not going to be nice. It's not going to be warm. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It's not going to be warm. You know what I mean? So, uh, so a lot of folks, there's, there is a lot of hand wringing, for example, for somebody like Cherikov, which I find to be interesting because he has just been lights out. Uh, this entire season. Yeah, but it, it's things like that that get you a little nervous. And, and what I want to do, let's start a quarterback, and then we'll go through each position here. And what I'll do, I'll lead with a Chargers player if it's relevant. And, you know, you talk about Phillip Rivers. He's the only quarterback in the league this year to have thrown multiple touchdowns in every game. He's got weapons up and down the field. He's playing a Bengals D that's had some injuries, struggling a little bit. I don't envision a scenario in which Phillip Rivers is on your bench in Week 14. I cannot imagine, yeah, I mean, barring, you know, if you had like Patrick Mahomes or something, you know, but this is going to be a guy that is absolutely a top five quarterback, at least on paper, going in into the week. So taking on Bengals defense that, in my estimation, look, Tampa Bay is bad defensively. I think Cincinnati's worse right now at this part, at, at this part in the season. So, so yeah, I, I think Phillip Rivers, you know, and it's funny because, you know, they, they come in with a huge favorite, right? And people are a little bit worried that maybe uh, they'll run the ball. Uh, but quite honestly, this is Phillips' team. And it's a pass-first team. It's a pass-first offense. And Phillips going to get his. You know what I mean? So I would anticipate. I would be – I tell you what, I'd be disappointed if Phillip, ha- Phillip had anything less than two touchdowns in this ball game. So um, huge projections, uh, I would imagine, for Phillip Rivers against the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, other quarterbacks I want to ask you about. You talked about Mahomes and Breeze. We know those guys are locks. And, again, I I can't envision a scenario in which you would bench a a Cam Newton or an Aaron Rodgers, but both of them have had some specific situations happen. I mean, Cam's coming off a a game where he threw four interceptions against that Bucs defense. And then Rodgers plays Atlanta without Mike McCarthy. So kind of two quarterbacks with, with, with some things that have happened this past week. I think I think I like Aaron Rodgers this week. You know, Atlanta's defense, you know, can be thrown on. Obviously, they're playing at home. You know, Rodgers does play uh, better at home there, and Atlanta should be able to should be able to, anyways. You know, put up a big number themselves, so it'll force Rodgers to keep up, uh, which I really like. I, I really like that matchup uh, for Rodgers and for Matt Ryan as well. If you've got Matt Ryan, I think he is you know, absolutely going to be a top eight fantasy quarterback, just given uh, how the the matchup looks. You know, you take a look on the other sideline uh, and you talk about Cam Newton taking on Cleveland. Cleveland's doing a pretty good job limiting deep passes. But, you know, you talk about how there's going to be situations where, you know, you're not going to play Cam. He comes in with a lot of downside risk. You know, he has not looked good the last two or three weeks. And the shoulder injury, I think, is a major, major concern. Remember, he had uh, shoulder surgery, you know, uh, I don't want to say that recently, but, you know, it, it is an issue. You know what I mean? So, it's in his past, for um, sure. Yes, 
absolutely. And it's it, he he you know has an injury right now to his throwing shoulder. So yeah, he hasn't looked that great. He's coming in with a little bit of an injury, uh, taking on a, a Cleveland defense that you know led by Miles Garrett, who's an absolute monster out there. So yeah, I think he does come with some downside risk. Absolutely, and there are other plays. Uh, that I think would be would behoove you in week 14, week one of playoffs. Speaking of other plays, James, who's on the fringe this week? You know, we talked about a guy like Andrew Luck, who everybody was praising for for good reason, yeah. and then he goes out, puts up a goose egg against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got the Texans this week. You mentioned Matt Ryan, some other guys on the fringe, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, Russell Wilson. Who's there that you you kind of like in week 14? You know, I'm probably avoiding Mitch uh, Trubisky just because, again, he's coming off of an injury as well. I don't know how severe that shoulder injury is, but I just hate hearing about shoulder injuries, especially ones that are keeping him out for multiple weeks. So um, that would be my concern there. Plus, he's taking on a Rams defense that is starting to get a little bit healthier, right? Um, Akeem Tlaib, game number two, back from, from IR. Uh, Marcus Peters, I'm not 100%. I just don't think he's 100%. And I think he's been nursing an injury, but but keeping it quiet. That's just, again, just random speculation on my part. But we do know that he did get injured a few weeks back um, and really hasn't missed any time. So that would just be my speculation. But, you know, I took a look, and, and I think Lamar Jackson off the waiver wire, you know, if he's still available, taking on Kansas City, mm. I think it's that's not a bad matchup. And, and Josh Allen, too, I think taking on at home, taking on the Jets, I think that's a really good matchup, too. And quite frankly, I think – both of those guys should absolutely be in the streaming conversation. I, you know, you mentioned Russell Wilson. He has been, I mean, he's just been terrific. But I just, I keep waiting for the wheels to fall off, and they just don't. He is, he has the fewest pass attempts per game in the NFL. And this is a run-first, run-heavy team. They're also in a really bad matchup against Minnesota. So, uh, Everything on paper tells me from a volume and matchup standpoint, don't play Russell Wilson. That being said, <laughs> the guy's just magic. So I, I don't know what to do with Russell. It's, that's, that's an interesting one and a conundrum that, that I have found myself in going back and forth. Yeah, after those top eight quarterbacks, there, there's certainly some debate there, and I think that's why there's a little bit of angst among, amongst fantasy owners going into the playoffs. James, we'll move to running back. And again, let's start with the Chargers. You got Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson. We talked about that Bengals defense, rushing defense. They've given up at least 198 yards in five games this year. Are you starting Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson? Where do you see them in a lineup this weekend? You know, I have a I have a team that actually has both, and I've got Austin Eckler in as my RB two, and I've got Justin uh, Jackson in as my as my flex. I just I don't prescribe to the idea that you can't play guys on the same team if they're on your roster. Look, you analyze each player's matchup, and each each player is going up against uh, a Cincinnati Bengals defense that that you know I alluded to is I I believe the worst in the NFL right now. And you talked about some of the stats they're giving up on the ground. Uh, these guys, they both could absolutely explode. Now that being said, will both have a good game? I'm not sure, but I will say this. Um, if you're playing both, I don't hate it. I, I really don't hate it. Um, you know, I've been talking up and down about how Justin Jackson was absolutely worth an ad. I liked the, the tape that I saw on him, and I just kind of figured he'd fill that Melvin Gordon role a little bit 
more smoothly than Austin Eckler. And look, look, man, you can go back to the shows that we have done in the past. You know, I love. You were there. You were there from the beginning, James. There's no, there's no denying that. Absolutely. I absolutely love Eckler and I love what Ken Wisenhunt is doing with Eckler too, moving them all around, right? Like they play them out wide. Um, They play them in the slot. They play them in the backfield. They play them everywhere. It's great. Um, but that's where he really thrives is kind of being that, um, you know, do it all kind of player, uh, a, a little bit of a slash, if you will, you know, and, and that's where he really can shine and use his athleticism um, to make big plays. I, I don't think he's naturally suited to being every down running back, um, you know, early down work. I think it's going to go to Justin Jackson. And meanwhile, they'll mix in Austin Eckler quite a bit as well. That, that would just be my, my thought um, in terms of skill set. So, but that being said, if each player sees about 15 touches in this game, which I think is absolutely doable, um, yeah, 100% for sure. I well, think, James, you know, know what? I think the, key word, the key word you said is touches because both of those guys can catch the ball out of the backfield. It's not like Justin Jackson is, yeah. is just a, a run-exclusive guy. He had a nice, a nice 19-yard reception against the, uh, the Steelers. He caught the ball a lot at Northwestern, and we've seen the big chunk plays that Austin Eckler can provide in the passing game as well. That's right. That's exactly right. So 15 touches overall um, for each player I think is absolutely doable. Now they, they, might, they probably won't get their 15 apiece. But they certainly could, um, and I tell you what, twelve to fifteen for each player, I think, is is a pretty reasonable projection for both. Um, and yeah, I mean, I wouldn't expect huge numbers from either player, but you know, we're talking, you know, sixty-five to eighty total yards. Certainly, a lot of exposure to touchdown upside. So yeah, I think they're both right there in the PPR mix for sure as an RB two flex play. A lot of these running backs at the top, cut and dry, right? Gurley, Zeke. Uh, if you have James Conner, you're probably sliding in Jalen Samuels there against the Raiders. I want to ask you about Adrian Peterson, especially with Mark Sanchez under center. What are you doing there with AD at this point? I mean, he seems to have been a guy who you could rely on a little bit at that, that RB2, maybe flex position. I think things change a little bit with Sanchez under center. Yeah, I mean, they can crowd the box a lot. Um, the offensive line there for Washington, too, is, is really, really banged up. Uh, you know, they're down two offensive guards and uh, Trent Williams is there, uh, but not 100 percent healthy either. Um, but that being said, you know, look, you'll see some volume. He'll see a lot of volume. I, I wouldn't I don't think the ceiling's very high. Um, you know, the floor is obviously not great either. But, you know, look, they're playing at home. They're also taking on a Giants team that is going nowhere. They, they traded away snacks. Landon Collins, their safety. Uh, is on IR now. So their defense is really, really banged up um, and or just, you know, lacking the, the pieces that they need to really stop the run as well. So I'm not I'm not expecting a huge game from Adrian Peterson, but I do think he's playable. Um, and certainly he does come with some downside risk. But I mean, when w- once we start getting into this, you know, into outside the top 25 running backs, I mean, who doesn't come with risk? Right. So mm-hmm. uh, he's a player that I, I think that, you know, you could you know, play in there as your RB2 or flex in a 12-team deeper league, and you just kind of cross your fingers and hope for the best. I know that they the offense is not going to be great, and I know that. But, again, no snacks, no Landon Collins. These are these are two run-stopping type players. Um, and, and AD showed last, you know, that he can break off a big one. Just needs <laughs> one sometimes, yeah. He can still do it. He can still break off that big one, man. But, um, 
But yeah, so I would play him, but certainly lower expectations. All right, quickly, before we get to wide receiver, any other running backs, any sleepers that you have your eye on that, that people may want to look hard at in Week 14? Yeah, you know, I, I, you mentioned Jalen Samuels, and I, and I know that, you know, people are really excited about him. And, you know, people just think, you know, Pittsburgh running backs, oh, just plug and play, and the, the, you're going to get, you know, top 15 production no matter. Look, man, Jalen Samuels is averaging 2.6 yards per carry right now. And going back to his college days, the most work he's ever had on the ground is 12 carries in a single game. Other than that, the most carries he's ever had is nine carries in a game. So this is not a guy that's used to a big workload. And quite frankly, his skill set is more of a change of pace, pass catching running back. Mm. So I'm actually not really that excited about um, Jalen Samuels. And I, and I know a lot of fantasy analysts would disagree with me. And I know a lot of fans would disagree with me as well saying, Oh, well, look, look at D'Angelo Williams. When he plugged in, he was great. When James Conner comes in, he's, this guy's top five running back. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, yeah, well, are we conveniently forgetting the fact that Fitzgerald Toussaint was an absolute bust or the fact that D'Angelo Williams on his second go around did not work out at all. Um, Look, skill set matters, man. And, and I know that they're going to get a lot of snaps, these running backs will. But something in my mind um, tells me that Steven Ridley's actually the better play here. Wow, there we I go. Don't have the, I don't have the stones to actually put him in, my, uh, in a playoff lineup. But if you're playing DFS, for example, I think Steven Ridley is a terrific play. Um, and there is a... A decent chance. A a I'll, I'll give it a, a fifteen to twenty percent chance that Ridley ends up being the lead dog there in Pittsburgh while Connor is away. That I think there's a, a, a an actual good chance that that actually happens. He's a decent one cut guy, and for me, he just reads more of a, an every down running back with Jalen Samuels mixing in as the change of pace guy. Listen, man, this is the reason I bring you on, James Cove, is you, you spit knowledge. Jalen Samuels, you, you go back to his, his college days in terms of uh, just carrying the load, and that's important, man. 12 carries, that's not a ton of carries. But, you know, maybe no. maybe if, if you're in a pinch and you need a touchdown-dependent option in place of Connor, you, you start him. But who knows? You're right. Steven Ridley could be that guy there. We shall see against the Raiders. Um, wide receiver, again, if you have Keenan Allen – you should be absolutely thrilled. 14 catches on 19 targets and a touchdown against the Steelers. He's had a score in four straight games. You're starting him. We know that. Uh, I want to ask you about the Williams brothers, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams. Are those guys cracking your lineup if you have them this week? Uh, I, I just don't know what to do with them, you know. I mean, they're both talented players. And you could throw Travis Benjamin into the mix, too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a... It's one of those things where, you know, you don't want the ingredients, you want the pie. And for me, the pie is Philip Rivers. Um, and I like Mike Williams. I like him a lot. I, I personally think he should see more targets because he is so incredibly talented. But right now, this offense is humming. They're doing well. And who am I to say, um, you know, Mike Williams needs more touches when Philip Rivers is doing a great job spreading it around. Um, and, yeah, of course, Keenan Allen's his primary target. Uh, I love the, by the way, I love the fact that Keenan was asking for more work, you know, cause I agree. I think he needs more work. And the fact that he was demanding more targets and got it. He certainly got because, it. 19. He got 19 of them. 
He good, you know, because I tell you what, man, the offense really looks good uh, when Melvin Gordon is running it to the outside, when Austin Eckler's mixing in, and when Keenan Allen is just punching people with body shots underneath. And that's when you get that Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams, over-the-top bomb. That's when you get that random, you know, seam route from Travis Benjamin for 50. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, That is really when this offense is looking really nice and really unstoppable. But um, either one of those guys, I just – I can't trust it. And, again, you're talking winner go home, playoff time. I I just – I can't find myself to put them in the lineup. Quickly, before we get to tight end and defense – any sleepers at the wide receiver position that you would lean towards in, in week 14 that maybe you wouldn't in other weeks? Ah, oh, man. Um, it's, it's tough to say right now because of, of so many injuries. I think if you needed a super, super deep sleeper, um, and, and again, I, I'm, not, I'm not advocating this in redraft leagues, but maybe DFS tournaments or something. Deshaun Hamilton. I think certainly steps into a, a, a pretty nice workload. That's I'm, interesting. I'm actually relatively excited about Cortland Sutton too, as just a you know a, a regular flex play uh, in 12 team or deeper leagues. But uh, Deshaun Hamilton, you know, look, Emmanuel Sanders goes down. Deshaun Hamilton was a great possession receiver, great slot receiver at Penn State, and um, and he should be able to fill in uh, decently. Um, although I, I'll say this too, I think Matt Lacoste at tight end. I know we're about to get to tight end, but I think Matt Lacoste is a, is a decent sleeper uh, there in Denver too. I think I think he'll see, um, I think he'll see you know six to eight targets, which is which is pretty nice. Oh, you know what? I absolutely totally forgot. Trent Sherfield in Arizona. I actually think there he's actually go. a good solid sleeper. Trent, um, and, and he's a he's a total no namer, and I get it. But Trent Sherfield ran a four four five forty, so he's got the requisite speed. And Christian Kirk goes on IR. And this is the guy that is going to be lining up outside. Meanwhile, Detroit's defense um, on the on guarding against wide receivers not very good. So I think they've given up the third most fantasy points per game to wide receivers over the last four weeks. So it's a good matchup. He walks into some decent volume. I wonder if he sees five or six targets in this game. And you know, my big thing is of course air yards, how, how far the ball goes downfield. But um, I think he walks into some pretty decent volume stats as well. So decent volume. Good matchup. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about a guy in Trent Sherfield who's a total no-namer, so of course he comes with a lot of risk too. But, you know, if you're looking for a little something-something, there's your guy. I love it. I love it. All right, James, final thing. Tight end defense, it's funny because sometimes a, a fantasy playoff matchup is going to come down to whether or not you get a tight end or a defense that hits on that week. Uh, give me a few names, both as a defense and a tight end, that, that could maybe flip it for you. Um, I like, I kind of sort of like Jordan Thomas there in Houston. Um, you know, he's taken on the Indianapolis defense uh, that can be had. Again, these are these are guys that are just, you know, a little bit of wild cards. But you know what, man? Sign me up for Mark Andrews, too. I and I know, I know Baltimore's running out like three, four tight ends at a time, but I'll say this. You know, Lamar Jackson, when we talk about mobile running quarterbacks, those pair so nicely with tight ends. And every time I look up, Mark Andrews is just making plays. Mm. Um, they're taking on KC, so they're going to have to, you know, keep up a bit. So, I, you know, if it might be a situation where Mark Andrews does nothing, but – uh, late in the game, you know, maybe he gets a couple check downs or whatever it is. But running quarterbacks and tight ends, those just 
it, it's like it's like hot sauce and fried chicken, man. They just go together, you know. <laughs> and and for whatever reason, I like Mark Andrews, and and I think he makes a lot of plays. Uh, I think Chris Herndon is a, is an okay play, although he's got a really difficult matchup against Buffalo. Um, but you know what? I hate to say it, man, but we're we're really just you know we're just rolling the dice here with a lot of tight ends. You know you have to really with the tight open. end position, though, James. It's been it's it's been that yeah. kind of year for the tight end. Yep, it sure it certainly has. It absolutely certainly has. Defense, finally, defense. Uh, defenses. You know, um, I like the Giants' defense this week, obviously, because you know Washington on their third, fourth string, you know, quarterback. That's not bad. Um, uh, I, I kind of sort of think that Green Bay's defense is is playable at home, although they're down a, a corner. So, you know, that, that that's certainly a risky proposition. Um, you know, and, and, and again, if you've got the Jets defense too, look, Buffalo is not great uh, <laughs> offensively. So I think the Jets defense can, can do some things. I, I think Todd Bowles is, is much maligned. And but not for very good reason. I've, he has gotten a lot out of his defenses, like a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it sounds like they're going to let him go. And whoever signs him up as a defensive coordinator is going to get a gem. Uh, I really like Todd Bowles, what he has done with his defense, and um, and and I think yeah, I think they can get a couple turnovers on Buffalo. Why not? James Coe, DirecTV Fantasy Zone. James, I always appreciate the time, man. Where can people find you on Twitter? And then explain where they can find you on DirecTV. Yeah, so they can find me on Twitter at James D. Coe. Um, K-O-H is how you spell the last name. And I do a pretty good job trying to answer as many questions as possible. Um, and you'll get a lot of advanced analytics and stuff uh, off my Twitter feed as well. So um, if you're so inclined, follow me there. Would much appreciate it. You can always find me on DirecTV. Uh, channel 704. Uh, it's an hour before kick, so by the time you're hearing this, uh, go flip over to DirecTV Channel 704. We we cover literally every game, Red Bull, uh, but give it a fantasy twist to it as well. So that's the that's the way we approach it. It's a good, fun show. Uh, it's a good, fun cast, and and I promise you, if you if you watch the show, you will, you will enjoy it. But yeah, it's look. It's red zone, but with a fantasy twist. How can you go wrong? 704 Direct TV. James Coe, always appreciate the time, buddy. I will see you soon, and good luck with your fantasy playoffs, bro. All right, will do. Great talking with Chris. And that'll do it. A big thanks to James Coe, Paul Daner Jr., and Daniel Jeremiah for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. Enjoy the game on Sunday. A reminder that Chargers Weekly will come out a day early next week because of the Chiefs game on Thursday night. So be on the lookout for a Wednesday edition of Chargers Weekly. Until next time, I'm Chris Harey.